This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to episode 16 of Narrative Shift. Last week, we had a really good conversation on grit and why it takes grit to run or sustain or run and sustain any kind of movement or organization. And if you missed that one, I would recommend after you're done listening to this, go back and listen to episode 15 because I think it was one of my favorite episodes we've done. Uh, But Terrence, what's up, man? What's going on, man? You said this is 16? This is episode 16 overall, uh, episode four of season two. Wow. That's a lot of episodes, man. It is. All, almost so many, I've, I've lost count. <laughs> right. I have to write it down or else I myself would lose count. But today, man, I wanted to talk a little bit about faith because I know we often talk about faith as kind of grounding us in what we do and how it kind of provides like a, a moral center for us. But as, we, uh, as we've talked... Um, you know, we've seen that like faith can be like a a touchy subject. And man, I know like over the past few years, like it's been a weird thing in the public space. Like we've almost seen um, faith get hijacked by different ideologies and different political groups, different, um, I mean, different causes, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, faith is a uh, a word right now that can have a lot of negative connotations, uh, depending upon how you have either seen uh, faith play out in the public square, um, uh, politically, um, uh, with movements who uh, who use the term faith, but you know, side with ideology that excludes or you know hurts people. Uh, and then, you know, faith by itself, you know, it's it's really uh, sometimes it can be very gray, right? When you look at all of the trage- tragedies that happen in the world, it's like, um, you know, faith in what? <laughs> um, and many people find themselves there, you know, where, you know, you see the uh, natural disasters. Uh, you see kids uh, who are abused. You see uh, violence. You see uh, tragic things happening uh, day to day, and you know uh, people struggle there uh, because sometimes faith can can be gray uh, for some people. And then, lastly, man, I, I think um, you know people kind of struggle uh, uh, with faith because faith has been associated with abuse, you know, in uh, communities of faith. Uh, with uh, leaders abusing authority or power um, behind the auspice or under the auspice of, you know, the faith banner. And so, you know, and, and there are probably more uh, reasons why people struggle, but, you know, just off off the top of my head, man, I you know, I can see uh, how hard and challenging it can be, you know, and I'm not even talking about like, 
you know, if if people have been wronged <laughs> uh, by other people um, who have faith uh, that is proximate to them in their own personal lives, and and that can be very damaging. So, I mean, you know, people people can like, you know, uh, in this day and time, like feel very apprehensive uh, when they hear that word. Yeah, because I think by now, like most of us have had some negative experience with either someone who subscribes to a certain faith or maybe like an institution at large. Like we've all have, have had negative experiences, I think. Um, but man, why is having faith important to you? Like what makes your faith important? Yeah. Well, for me, man, um, I think faith for me has, uh, provided some sense of, of moral, grounding and center, uh, but also like, uh, it's given me a, uh, you know, the ability to, uh, just ground myself into, uh, what I believe about, uh, God in a way that, uh, keeps me, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, uh, I would sustain, uh, through life's pilgrimage, if you will, you know what I mean? Like, um, for me personally, and I'm not speaking for anybody else, but you know, it would be hard for me to live a, a life apart from faith. You know, uh, it will, it will be hard for me to try to ground myself in something that I know is, uh, you know, temp temporary. Like, do I ground myself in a career that's temporary? Do I ground myself in, you know, a house, uh, the house get fall apart. Do I ground myself in, uh, income, you know, income can come and go. Do I ground myself in friendships? Uh, people will die, you know, friendships will fade, you know, do I ground myself in uh, logic alone? Sometimes you'll live life and, uh, experience things that logic or reason can't even get you out of, you know, um, or do I ground myself in, uh, you know, the sustainer of life, the, the giver of life. And, and so I choose the latter man, um, which is, is very helpful for me to make sense of, uh, this pilgrimage for myself. What about you, man? Yeah. So as someone who like, hasn't always had faith, um, it was kind of like a, a total shift in me, in me, um, from like one worldview to another. And I think, now, like what you said, like it, it's something that grounds you into the eternal, not the temporal. Yeah. Um, and that's that's important for me to to have, I guess, vision for for moving forward. Um, not yeah. only in like what I do, uh, what work I do, um, but just like life as whole. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, faith, faith is you know something that isn't isn't tangible right mm -hmm. um you know one writer writes in uh you know the text that faith is a substance of things hoped for mm -hmm. right um i like that word hope uh because hope is is something uh that causes you to look forward hope is something that gives you a, a perspective outside of the realm uh, that you are uh, 
experiencing um, uh, currently. I mean, but, you know, just more practically, man, we use faith for every single thing. You know, we walk over to the sink and we pour, uh, we turn the water on and we drink water, uh, thinking that the water will be okay for our bodies to consume. Uh, we ride on airplanes, never meeting the pilot, um, hoping that we'll arrive to a destination. Man, we sit in chairs, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, grounding our uh, belief or faith in the chair that it will sustain us, right? We drive cars that we think will not break down on us. And it's like this, this idea that we are placing, you know, at any moment of our lives, placing faith in all of these things that are tangible. But I think, like you said, man, to your point, that uh, faith that is placed in something that is eternal uh, provides even more uh, grounding and strength, you know. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's just kind of how, how I've, I've chosen to live my life. And, and just like you, man, I had a narrative shift, uh, no pun intended, um, where, you know, I went from one perspective of, of living a life uh, void of of faith uh, to a life of of believing and um, trusting God, man. And so, yeah, uh, I think that the shift for me has provided a sense of uh, a sense of uh, spiritual growth and and spiritual identity in something much greater than uh, the life that we're experiencing day to day. Yeah. That's good. Um, I don't think like either of us would necessarily describe ourselves as evangelical, um, <laughs> but like what, man, I, I, I follow, uh, I follow the teachings and life of, of Jesus, uh, uh, the historical Jesus that we find in, uh, you know, the scriptures that, uh, we have in, in the Bible. And so, yeah, that's, I follow Jesus, man. And Correct. so, uh, that looks like something different in the way that I live my lifestyle versus someone who is, you know, following, let's say, uh, maybe some ideologies or like things that will, you know, draw lines and parameters around how they may choose to live out their faith. And, you know, it's, it's no shade to them or anything, but like, I just choose to live my life, uh, aligned with how I, I see Jesus, uh, living out, uh, his life in the text, which is, um, a, a beautiful example of what it means to live, uh, with faith. Yeah. What about yeah. you, man? Yeah, no, I would uh, describe myself as a follower of Jesus as well. And um, I really try to live by, like you said, like the life of Jesus. I'm trying to, as best to my ability, uh, replicate what he taught in my own life. And, but I wanted to like ask you, like, how specifically have the teachings of, of Jesus like shaped? Uh, not only your morality, but really the practical aspect of the work you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I, I like uh, Howard, Howard Thurman's work. Um, 
and Jesus in the disinherited. And uh, in this book, he looks at the life of Jesus, uh, how he was uh, born in, into poverty. He was, you know, under Roman uh, oppression and how he was uh, a minority. Right. And so uh, that alone identifies with uh, many people who grow up uh, black and male in the United States of America. Right. Uh, in many ways, born under oppression, in many ways, uh, minority and in many ways, uh, experience in poverty early on. And when I look at uh, how Jesus chose to uh, overcome those challenges and navigate uh, through all of those challenges, uh, following uh, the way of God, man, it inspires me um, in so many ways. Uh, but greater than that, you know, seeing him uh, have a have a thirst uh, to learn the laws of God and to teach, um, seeing him proximate to uh, people who were also impoverished and uh, excluded, uh, seeing him uh, be proximate to people who were um, uh, viewed as uh, rejects of society. Uh, seeing the ways in which he was committed to uh, God's will for his life, um, seeing the ways in which he was uh, passionate about uh, the people he was in relationship with that were following him, uh, namely the disciples, uh, seeing the ways in which uh, he would teach and use stories and all of these different things, man, uh, and then ultimately give his life, right, uh, so that we might have access uh, to the love of God and forgiveness. And so like when I look at that, um, I go, man, I want to live in that way. You know, when I, I read the scriptures and I read Jesus's words, when he says, you know, he used to talk like this, man, like for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, man, that's inspiring. Um, and he would talk about, you know, uh, the way to be great is is to, you know, serve in that same passage. Uh, he would also talk about how, like, um, you know, the harvest w is plentiful, uh, but the laborers are few, meaning that there are few people uh, willing to do the work of sharing the good news. Like all of those things, man, are just like deeply inspirational and they're deeply uh, tied to how I want to live my life. Um and when I, when I see that, man, I go, that's it. You know, I want to live radically different from how society and culture uh, thinks I'm supposed to live, um, which is what he did. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And like what you said to, in the beginning, like how you can relate to the person of Jesus being a minority and, um, and from someone who is uh, from a poorer background and – uh, someone who in all reality has faced oppression, like as someone who is wh a white male and Christian, like I don't, I guess I, like I don't relate the same way yeah. uh, to the person of Jesus. And like, that's something I don't think about often. And I feel like many people like me probably don't think that or keep that in mind either. Uh, yeah, man. Um, and so, like, when I was reading Thurman's work, man, uh, 
man, it, it just radically, um, it radically shifted like, uh, my perspective on Jesus. So like it gave me a deeper, uh, love for following, following Christ. And it, it gave me a, a, a deeper understanding of how much, uh, Christ related to me, man. And, you know, it just opened my eyes up. And if you haven't read uh, Jesus and the Disinherited, I would uh, highly recommend it. Another or another couple books that, you know, I started reading was like, um, uh, you know, James Cone work, uh, which, <laughs> you know, uh, if you've read Cone, he is he is very honest in his uh, uh historical findings of what it means to, to live, uh, in this world, uh, as, uh, a person of hue and have to never navigate, uh, different challenges, but still, uh, live a life, uh, full of faith. And so reading those two scholars, man, really like brought my, my, uh, my understanding of how I related to the historical Jesus in, in the text, man. Yeah, I feel like so often I can find myself trying to relate, relate to the the divinity of Jesus instead of his humanity, mm. and I think that can almost cause this divide internally, like that Jesus was a man as well as God, and uh, he not he's not like this uh, distant, untouchable uh, divine being. Like he is, he was a human like me, and I think having those stark differences, like being a person with privilege and, and power, uh, whereas Jesus, as far as his human um, characteristics go, like it was not, he was persecuted from birth uh, till the moment of his death, or execution, I should say. Hmm. Um, and as someone, as someone who cannot relate to that in any way, um, it's something like I have, to, I have to consciously think about and be aware of, but man, one thing that has influenced my faith specifically uh, from the teachings of Jesus is the story of the prodigal son, which is found in Luke 15. And Jesus paints this image of this son who has run off from his father um, and prematurely inheriting his wealth. And the son goes off and just squanders all of everything he has and ends up coming back and being received by the father. And like you said, like within the teachings of Jesus, like that is something like I want to embody is the, the, uh, the nature of the, this good father who accepts the, the, the prodigals, the people who have, uh, been far and who have wandered off and um, have like disconnected themselves from from who they are and have lost their sense of belonging and just becoming like home to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I was going to ask you, though, uh, when you when you talk about all of that. And then you talk about, um, 
how this this passage of scripture has has really touched you. Uh, you talk about uh, being a person that has access to like uh, privilege that you sometimes miss uh, the relatability to uh, Jesus. How would you uh, encourage people that may identify with you um, to start to understand or uh, move into a place where by which they do relate to Jesus? Have you taken steps to move in that direction or how, how are you faring with that now, bro? Yeah, and while I'm not always conscious of what I'm doing in regard to this, I think um, just being around the people that Jesus would have been around um, is a step in the right direction because it starts to break down mm. the the narratives you have already in your head. And it also helps you understand the person of Jesus better. Wow. Like if you feel you can't relate to the human of Jesus as a human, the the oppressed, minority, impoverished, um, enemy of the state, mm. you should probably start hanging out with those kind of people so you can almost put a face to the person. Right. So would you say that um, you're, you've, you've started to relate to Christ or Jesus more uh, by being proximate? Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. What keeps people from that proximity? Um, I think a lot of people kind of ignore, for whatever reason, the teachings of Jesus in regards to this. Like people kind of teach Jesus as just a way to get to heaven or um, the attach him to a ideology and it's just a part of that. Uh, but for whatever reason, it seems like so few people actually take the teachings of Jesus and say, Hey, maybe this is something we should like literally try to replicate in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, I think our faith should push us to, uh, be proximate, uh, to other people. Uh, and use that as a way, I mean, you can use that as a way to literally relate to uh, the historical context of Christ, man. But also, I think uh, our faith should also uh, awaken us and open our eyes to uh, real issues uh, that exist around us. Uh, One of the things that people oftentimes miss, too, uh, is that uh, if you're, if you're, a person of faith that you are somehow separated from uh, the reality of the injustices that exist in the world around you or the reality uh, of realities that uh, we may see in the current climate. And we try to like, uh, they'll try to like separate themselves uh, from the two. But when we look at how Jesus lived in the, in the text, man, he was fully immersed and he was fully engaged and, Issues, even challenging, you know, uh, religious leaders of his time on certain issues. And I think uh, to identify as a Christian is also to have uh, not just a personal faith, but a public faith as well. Yeah. And looking at both 
Jesus is human and Jesus is God. He both lived his life and used his death as a way to make things right. There is no ignoring that. And if we want to call ourselves followers of Jesus and try to live a life like his, we have to do everything in our own power to make things right in the world around us. Yeah. And be open. Uh, Man, you said that you didn't really identify as uh, someone who is aligned with uh, the evangelical faith. Tell me, why why would you make that statement, bro? (laughs) Yeah. So let's uh, track back to the uh, 2016 election real quick. Okay. Um, And I know like we spent a good bit of time together over this period and and talking, and we would even like uh, watch uh, political <laughs> debates together. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, we we all know that the headlines of right. uh, uh, you know black bodies being shot mm-hmm. in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We engaged in a lot of different conversations. Yeah, and we all know that uh, that 2016 was a big shift for all of us, um, and I think. A lot of people align themselves with a political ideology that was contrary to their faith, and they lost uh, the integrity of their faith in doing so. And whereas I, um, I put my faith in the forefront and found that I cannot, um, I guess, align myself with what I historically had thought was home politically speaking, and, man, it was just kind of like this uh, this shift where, like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer part of this larger faith community because uh, I don't feel like they're part of my faith anymore almost. And not that they're, like, not Christians or anything like that, but we just don't see eye to eye on the person of Jesus, what he stood for, what he taught. Wow. That's a bold statement uh, coming from you. I mean, obviously, you don't even have to like align with uh, something that goes against everything that you just described, you know. Um, but what drives that, though? You know, because uh, I'm interested in in like just understanding that. I mean, you're white, you're male you're Christian, you're, you're straight. Um, like you have a lot of the privileges that you could just like lean into and, and choose to ignore, uh, like institutional racism. You can choose to ignore, uh, poverty. You can choose to ignore, you know, a lot of different issues. Um, and just kind of like cozy up behind, you know, your faith. But what, what, what pushes you to, uh, you know, live out your faith in a different way. Yeah, I mean, the simple answer would be the Holy Spirit and conviction and um, taking seriously the Word of God. But I think on a deeper level, like, um, I don't think all of us or everybody who necessarily hasn't uh, distanced themselves from certain uh, political groups 
I don't think they've necessarily abandoned um, their faith in in totality. Like I think they still love God and they probably still love Scripture and are hearing from the Holy Spirit. But I think fear of being an outsider of what they've always known kind of paralyzes them into just taking the safe and easy route of aligning themselves with whatever, um, I mean, like whatever the popular opinion is. Right. Wow. Yeah. And the popular opinion, man, is, is something that, you know, many people buy into, um, you know, trends, you know, ideologies, you know, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of people that just have like basic surface social faith. Yeah. You know, it's just, they have faith for the moment of who, you know, the environment's there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us can be easily deceived by this, um, this idea of a lesser of two evils. Um, but looking at the life of Jesus, he was just somebody who said, I'm not going to have anything to do with evil. Yeah. And I think we're, some people get caught up in this lie that we have to pick, um, like pick a side. Yeah. That is essentially, both both sides would be, I would say, like are far from like what Jesus taught in different ways. But they feel like they have to choose one instead of just saying, I'm going to, choose to be bold and follow the teachings of Jesus and stand up for what he taught, not a certain uh, power structure or a system that benefits us or that we feel comfortable in, but I'm going to stand up for the teachings of Jesus and for the people he stood up for. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, what our faith should, you know, kind of lead us to do and how it should, you know, ground us and and even inform us, man. Um, I did have one last question for you, though, man. Like, um, so you talked a little bit about like your conviction and all of that, right? But I'm wondering, uh, you know, if people are listening to this and they, you know, are just kind of like wrestling, you know. Um, maybe they can identify with me. Uh, maybe they can identify with you, but if they identify with you, um, but they're wrestling of, uh, with that conviction, um, you know, what do you encourage them to do? Because you can be persecuted or like, you know, kind of like looked at in, in a, a weird way. Like you, you kind of talked a little bit about that to me, how, you know, certain people have like, viewed you in a, you know, a different light and all that stuff. And so what would you say to a person uh, that identifies with you? Yeah, so kind of at the beginning of that election season, I started praying that God would give me a holy disregard for the opinions of others, which to me means that I don't really care what other people think. Um, I'm just going to follow my conviction and what the Word of God says. Uh, but still do it in a respectful manner where I'm not going to like 
chew anybody out or be hateful towards anybody, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to care what you think. So I think that's a good starting place is to to lean into into prayer and pray that you can even become a person who would speak out against uh, the norm. Yeah. Um, But I would also say start becoming close and within proximity of the people that are supposed to be your enemy. Right. Uh, The people who are supposed to be against you and see if there's any truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true, man. Uh, Just to, to move in into a space where uh, by which you, you say holy disregard, I would, I would not use those terms because I'm me and you, you, but I would, I would just say like get into a place where you just like, uh, you know, the slang terminology is just miss me with that. Or, <laughs> or it's like, you know, I just don't, I don't care. Um, I don't care. Um, there was this book I read years ago, man. I think the title, um, and we could put it in the notes, but I think it says when uh, when people are big and God is small. But the premise of the book was uh, it was re- related to um, the 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 social dependency that we we normally have uh, with people's opinions and how that like uh, you know kind of puts us in a psychological state where we are always you know, viewing people's opinions and regarding them higher than uh, what God thinks of us, you know, and how that should inspire us to think about ourselves. And uh, if you get a chance, Google the book. It's a great book. But I, I do think that people honestly wrestle with that. You know, I've wrestled with it, um, you know, because uh, there's this reality, you know, that that God is spirit. Right. And um you know, um, people are tangible. They're, they're before us. And so it's easier to like fall into the trap of like wanting to, uh, be accepted by people, affirmed by people, uh, because, you know, sometimes people talk back to you directly Yeah, and, uh, you know, you could just easily fall into that trap. And so, you know, one of the things that I've had to work hard at and, um, still working hard on is is like literally uh challenge uh the thoughts that i have you know being willing to catch those thoughts which can be lies or like used um to to uh, uh be a form of oppression um but also like challenge the the thoughts that develop through what people are saying or how they are criticizing and all that stuff because thoughts do develop from people's criticism and, and shots at you and stuff, man. And and so you got to ask yourself, you know, is this true? Um, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, am I um, living in ways in which, you know, I think are pleasing to God? Like you got to, you got to ask yourself, uh, you know, is this kind? I mean, you, I mean, we all know when we're falling short, so we could kind of do the self check thing, but like, you know, you got to ask yourself the the right questions that will help you disregard uh, some of the thoughts and ideas that can form from people's criticism. 
And then just moving into a space where you just uh, lean into boldness. Um, you know, one of the reasons I like uh, the historical Jesus man is because uh, Jesus wasn't just a passive person, which people kind of paint him uh, to be, but he was also bold. You know, he spoke up uh, to to authority figures uh, in ways in which that challenged their uh, social understanding of of people, um, challenged their their uh, ways of uh, how they uh, manage money. You know, uh, challenged their ways of how they use uh, religion to uh, even oppress and ex- exclude. Uh, challenge ways uh, that people uh, saw people that was considered other, you know, and so like he he was he was bold, you know. Yeah, he'd speak truth to power. Yeah, truth to power, bro. And it was like, you know, just just looking at that, I think we we can lean into our own sense of boldness and and speak that same truth to power or truth to criticism um, that's around us. Yeah, I just went on a rant, but I hope <laughs> that was cohesive. No, I think coherent. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the most commanded against thing in the Bible is do not be afraid. Yeah. So I think if anything, man, we can't be afraid. We have to be bold. Uh, speak truth where there are lies yeah. or even where there are half-truths. Yeah. Make sure you're speaking the whole truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct, man. Yeah, man. Um, well, I, w- I would say as we close, man, um, I thought that was, you know, pretty good discussion about, like, the faith that we both possess, you know, some of the challenges of how, you know, faith is viewed in society and culture, but also, like, um you know, what inspires us to, to kind of keep going and, and being grounded in that faith. Uh, where for me, it's by which, you know, my, you know, how I relate to um, Jesus and also like uh, wanting to to follow uh, Jesus in a way that, uh, you know, that in the ways that he lived in, in scripture, man. And so I want to do that in a, in a modern way. And um, what would you say, man? Yeah, I think I also want to follow that historical Jesus as well, but also um, leaning into the convictions that I have from reading, from reading the scriptures and being in prayer. Like, I always want to actively live out what I feel God is calling me to uh, without fear. And to continue to speak truth, even if uh, my voice is shaky at times, or yeah. um, if you know it feels like fear will overwhelm me, to lean into the person of Jesus and the divinity of God, and uh, take steps towards boldness, and like we've said, speak truth to power, and uh, become proximate to the people who are supposed to be my enemies or the people who are um, seen as outcasts from society to keep leaning in and becoming proximate to them as well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, guys, we hope that you got something uh, from what we talked about today. And 
if you did i ask we ask that you would share it you know subscribe to it and uh you know i hope it inspires you to live out your faith hey i'm uh terrence lester um we're gonna do some social media shout shout outs Johnny, yep. you got some social media yep so you can follow me on instagram facebook twitter at johnny taylor 95 that is j-o-h-n-n-y-t-a-y-l-o-r 95 what about you terrence yeah i'm at i'm terrence lester t-e-r-e-n-c-e-l-e-s-t-e-r um and i'm is just i am in front of that and that's uh, facebook twitter instagram you can also follow love beyond walls on all of the same platforms and we uh, started the museum dignity museum you can follow that as well on uh, the same social channels uh-huh and you can also find love beyond walls on the web at lovebeyondwalls.org and if you've listened this far we just hope that you would uh, subscribe share the podcast leave a review if you feel you should and uh stay in touch with us like let us know what you think about the podcast if anything we're talking about is speaking to you we'd love to hear from you yeah but that's it for this week we will see you next time see you next time